ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Saturday. Miss Judy, please take your meds today or I will make sure you have the same Hassan Pfeffer meal we had for dinner last week and somehow survived. 859-381-1313. That's the number to call to join in on the conversation today. You can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. On today's show, our friends out in the desert have spoken about the Kentucky and Louisville football game for this year. And the Big Blue Nation may not be very happy with what they have to say. We'll talk about it. Round three of the PGA Championship gets underway shortly. And we will tell you how much we dislike current co-leader Phil Mickelson, both on the course and off. The NBA playoffs finally get underway for real today. No more of those playing games. We'll discuss. Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast, will join us to discuss literally everything sports-related, including his UFC picks for tonight. And if you've listened to his UFC picks on this show in the past, you've cashed a lot of tickets out in the desert. And, of course, the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks NBA Playoff Edition, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All this and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio experience. But first, spawn, sane, and pray for rain. You remember the 1948 Boston Braves, right? Yeah, we that's always in the uh, in the front of your mind, those 1948 Boston Braves. I had them uh, over their win total out in the desert, of course. But the 1948 Boston Braves won the National League that year, mainly because they had two really good starting pitchers, Warren Spahn, a Hall of Famer, and Johnny Sane. Times were a little different back then. Those two guys, Spahn and Sane, started 78 of their team's 154 games that year. That's over half if I'm doing my math right. That's how much different things were back in those days in baseball. And if you tried that today the manager would be thrown in jail for abuse. But spawn sane and pray for rain was the battle cry of the 1948 Boston Braves, which was penned by a writer for the Boston Post who had just witnessed a Braves doubleheader on Labor Day of that season during the pennant drive where, the, where Warren Spawn pitched a 14-inning complete game to win the first game of the doubleheader and Johnny Sane pitched a shutout to win the second game. So the Boston Post writer wrote what was easy to see if you just looked at their stats. This team had two really good pitchers, and the rest of them were bums. 1948 Boston Braves didn't have another pitcher that could do anything. They couldn't win games, couldn't do anything, but they rode these two guys for all they were worth. Still, Spawn and Sane, they got to the World Series that year. They lost to Cleveland Four games to two. Ironically, that's the last World Series that Cleveland has won. Shockingly, the only games that the Boston Braves won in that World Series were games that were started by by Spawn and Sane. 
The other two games that they didn't start, the Boston Braves lost. It's ironic. But what happened after they lost that World Series? You'd think, oh, well, they'll come back the next year. They'll have these two great pitchers back. They'll maybe, maybe they'll add somebody. Maybe somebody will get better. They tried the same exact strategy next year, and it tanked. They went 75 and 79, and they never competed again for a long time, basically until the Boston Braves left town to go south to Atlanta. So although spawn, sane, and pray for rain, although that strategy worked short-term in a pennant drive in 1948, it was unsustainable long-term because in Major League Baseball, two guys can't win on a consistent basis if that's all they have. Equate that to this year's Cincinnati Reds, who won last night over the Milwaukee Brewers 9-4. to Have you looked at the Reds lineup lately? Boy, they start out hot at the top of that lineup. Jesse Winker, three home runs last night, reiterating the fact that he should not be leading off for a multitude of reasons. But this is David Bell we're talking about, in case you've forgotten. This guy had Joey Votto leading off quite a bit last year as well. So lineup construction, not exactly a strong point of David Bell. Winker and Nick Castellanos have been hitting 1-2 in the lineup recently, which is a great start to your lineup. These are easily the best two hitters on the team this season. But then you follow these guys with basically seven bums. The last few games, Tyler Stevenson and Tyler Naquin have been hitting 3-4 in the lineup. Who predicted that on April 1st? Did you say that Stevenson and Naquin would be batting 3-4 and four in the Reds lineup by mid-May? Of course, the object of our complaining desires are the Reds. Eugenio Suarez, our old pal, our good buddy. He's 25 for 182 this season. 152. That's a 152 batting average. In case you're counting along, another 0 for 3 last night. He's been the worst hitter in Major League Baseball this season, without question. His OPS plus, 54, which means he's been 46% worse than an average hitter. Suarez is having... The worst season imaginable to start out. But he's not the only one. He's the main one, but he's not the only one. Nick Senzel hit the injured list yesterday again. Three years now, Senzel has played 163 games in those three years. And I'm sorry, he just doesn't have it. And he can't stay healthy either. Senzel, the second overall pick in the 2016 Major League Draft, now has a career batting average of 246 and a career OPS plus of 78, meaning he's 22% less than the average major league hitter. And it's not like this guy's a spring chicken anymore either. Senzel turns 27 years old next month. Personally, I think it's over for him. I'm not saying his career's over, but if you're expecting him to be an average major league player, I don't think you're going to find one. But the Reds won't give up on him anytime soon because they invested such a high draft pick and plenty of money in this kid. But at this point, it appears to be wasted money. Speaking of wasted money, Shogo Akiyama, hey, do you remember him? Is he still on the team? Yes, and he's making $7 million this year. A guy who's probably last on the roster and about the fifth outfielder right now. Well, $7 million, for not bad for a guy who's had six hits all year. Oh, he's been hurt. 
Don't worry, he was lousy last year too. Akiyama should be wearing a ski mask when he catches those paychecks from the Reds so far in his career. Oh, you're just being negative. What about this Naquin guy? The guy with 10 home runs this season. Oh, you're right. He's had a great start. But Naquin was exactly an average player for five years in Cleveland with an OPS plus of 100. Mediocre as it gets. And Naquin's never hit more than 14 home runs in a season for Cleveland. So if you're a Reds fan, you'd like to think he can keep up this current pace and finish with 38 home runs, which is what he's on pace to end up with right now. Or you could be like us and live in the real world and know he'll be lucky to finish with 20. You look at the Reds this week. They lost four straight games to what is now the best team in Major League Baseball record-wise, the San Francisco Giants. Can someone tell me how the Reds were favored to win three of those four games out in the desert this week? The Reds were favored in three of the four games that they lost to the Giants this week, including the game they lost 19-4. to But that's no coincidence. The Reds have been favored in 28 games this season, but their record is only 20-23. and That's not living up to expectations out in the desert. So can you call this Reds team a disappointment? As of now, yes. Our friends of the desert had this team at a 30% chance of making the playoffs before the season started. And now, with a 20-23 and 23 start, they have a 16% chance. That's almost a 50% drop. Is that the worst drop in Major League Baseball? No, it's not even close. The Twins had a 64% chance before the season. They're now sitting at 7%. So the Reds are far from the most disappointing team in Major League Baseball so far this season. But there's no number or statistic that you can prove that gives the Reds a better chance today of making the playoffs than they had on opening day back on April 1st. Today at 4 o'clock in a game that can be heard right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5, the Brewers and Reds will play Game 2 of this series from Great American Ballpark. Brett Anderson... Goes from Milwaukee, 2-3 and three, with a 4.50 ERA. Alleged ace, Sonny Gray, goes for Cincinnati, 0-3, 3.86. Brett Anderson has been around a long time. This is his 193rd career start in his 13th year in the major leagues and his second with the Brewers, which is his sixth major league team. So he's been around the block a few times. Anderson's career ERA, 4.07. His career ERA plus, 102 meaning his career numbers are 2% better than a normal pitcher over his career. So talk about mediocre over a long period of time. This is Exhibit A right here. But he loses you money out in the desert overall. His career, all of his career starts, his teams are 96 and 102. And if you blindly put $1 on Brett Anderson every time he's ever started in his career, you'd be down $10.95 for a return on investment of negative 5.5%. But today's scenarios tell a different story. In his days with Milwaukee, Anderson has started 16 games now. Milwaukee 8-8 in those games, returning a positive 7.1 return on investment. Last year during the COVID season, Anderson faced the Reds three times, and the Brewers went 2-1 in those games. And both times Anderson beat the Reds last year, he was an underdog, just like he is today. And for career numbers, when Anderson starts on the road, his teams are 53 and 55, turning a profit of 
in terms of return on investment. And when Anderson is an underdog like he is today, his teams are 39 and 49, 3.8% return on investment. So let's just combine everything. Anderson, road underdog, you've got a big moneymaker right there. Anderson has been on the road and an underdog 70 times in his career. His teams are 34 and 36 for 15.3% return on investment. $1 on Anderson every time he's a road dog would have netted you a very nice $10.69. That's stacking papers. So Anderson is a spot today that has proven to make cash over his career. Sonny Gray goes for the Reds. A tale of two seasons for Gray. On April 23rd, Gray had an ERA of 7.88. In four starts since then, Sonny Gray has an ERA of 2.42, including 27 Ks in 22 innings. But Gray is still winless on the season. Why? He's only averaged five innings per start this year. And then when he leaves the game, he turns it over to the 27th best bullpen in major leagues. In his third season with the Reds now, Cincinnati is 28-20 when Gray starts. It's not bad. $1 on Gray every time he started, you would have made $3.21. 6.7% return on investment. But Gray really shines at home. At Great American Ballpark, the Reds are 18-7 when Gray starts. That's a big return on investment, 23.9%. And when Gray is a home favorite, like he is today, the Reds are 16-6 and six, with a 21.7% return on investment. So both of these starting pitchers today are in spots that history tells us they cash tickets in these spots. The Reds are about a minus 140 favorite in this one today. Might be a good spot to take the Reds, but not at this price. If you can find them minus 130 or lower, then I'd say go for it. But laying minus 140... Isn't a good bet with a pitcher who averages five innings per start and one of the worst bullpens in the major leagues. Keep in mind the Brewers have a great bullpen, including possibly and probably the very best relief pitcher in all of Major League Baseball in Josh Hader and the back of the Brewers' bullpen, well-rested going in today. The Reds had to use their main guys, Sims and Antone, yesterday. This is a game we will pass on today out in the desert. But until guys like Joey Votto and Mike Moustakas return, and we can argue that Votto has already entered the overpaid bum portion of his career, this Reds lineup is two guys and a bunch of bums. And like the 1948 Braves taught us way back in the day, having a spawn, sane, and, and pray-for-rain strategy can work today, but it's unproven and that it doesn't work long-term. That's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Tenner, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Hey, today is May 22nd, and we already have a line out in the desert for the Kentucky-Louisville football game coming up on November 27th. That's only six months away, right? Who cares? No big deal. Our friends at the South Point Casino out in Vegas have put up some college football lines for their games of the year, including Kentucky and Louisville which makes the term game of the year sound very uh, outrageous, if you ask us. Kentucky, a one-point favorite over Louisville, which might be a surprise to many around here at Lexington. I'm not sure how many uh, people of the Big Blue Nation isn't going to take a, the first flight out to the desert to put their life savings on Kentucky to win this one. But the fine people at 24-7 Sports came out with some clickbait this week. That's exactly what it was, clickbait. 
trying to reel in the Big Blue Nation by saying Kentucky football was going to start the season 6-0, which would include home wins over Florida and LSU, as well as a home winner over Missouri and a road win over South Carolina. No offense to the unbiased people at 24-7 Sports. Uh Uh-huh, unbiased. Kentucky will be lucky, and I emphasize lucky, if they start the season 4-2. They're not beating Florida. They're not beating LSU. I'm sorry, Big Blue Nation. You're just not. You're going to be double-digit underdogs in those games. And the Missouri game, it's going to be a toss-up. You think I'm crazy? Florida and Missouri, very decisive wins over Kentucky last year, in case you forgot. So chalking up those as wins just because they changed the location of the game to Lexington, that's flawed logic. A familiar refrain on this show, we see a 6-6 six and six season for this team as of now. Who's your quarterback? You can talk about great recruiting classes all you want, but only six programs had more players drafted in the NFL last month, and yet they still only went four and six in the SEC last year. That's not opinion. That's not me hating. That's just fact. And why were they four and six? Well, if you ask me, a prehistoric offense with a quarterback that put up some of the worst numbers in the SEC for three consecutive years that was forced to fire their offensive coordinator at the end of the season. By the way, that offensive coordinator, Eddie Grant, where is he now? How do you tell how valuable someone is, no matter what business you're in, whether you're in coaching, whether you're whatever you're doing for a living? How soon do you get fired? Do you get hired after you get fired? Eddie Grant was fired six months ago. I haven't heard anything about what he's doing now. Maybe he's making coffee at Starbucks for you every morning. I don't know. But you don't fire a valuable coach if there's any chance he could go to your rival and help them beat you. Just saying. So please, I'm begging you, Big Blue Nation, don't listen to those fanboys across town who will tell you this team is going to win 10 or 11 regular season games and is a coin flip to win the SEC championship down in Atlanta in December. Why am I saying this? Because the show on Across Town, opposite this one on Sunday mornings, claimed this exact thing last year that Kentucky was going 9-1 and and playing Alabama for the SEC Championship in a game that would be a toss-up. If that's the type of quote-unquote analysis you want to hear, then we're probably not the show for you. And If you want to hear it like it is, though, stick around here. Kentucky football, it's a 6-7 or win team this season with an unproven quarterback, plenty of talent lost to the NFL, and a schedule that is simply too difficult for this team to overcome then why don't you have them going 4-6 and six like they did last year? That's easy. The cupcakes have returned. The Louisiana Monroes and Chattanoogas and New Mexico States have replaced the Alabamas and the Ole Misses. That matters. So if you're looking for a win total for this team this year in 2021, we've set it at 6.5. The Big Blue Nation would pound the over, but the wise guys out in the desert might have a different opinion, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective coming up after the break. You got it. It's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's coming up right here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Breaking news. LeBron James has broke the COVID rules because he attended some uh, promotional tequila event that was in violation of the NBA's health and safety protocols. 
Nothing says violating protocols like attending a tequila event, ladies and gentlemen. This will be a depends on who you are in life kind of thing. If this was back in uh, my day, if it was Michael Jordan, uh, he would get away with it. If it was Isaiah Thomas, he would not get away with it. It all depends on who you are in life. Something tells me this will be swept under the tequila-soaked rug, and everything will be fine, and LeBron will be playing in the playoffs. But speaking of those playoffs, it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner this NBA playoff season? Just head on down to Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing and light up that Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends. As they say at Jake's, smoke, like, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. And go tell our friends Jake and Autumn that uh, the bottom line sent you. They're, they've been really good to us, and we're very appreciative of them. That's jakesigarbar.com. By the way, PGA Championship Round 3 starts today. Uh, 27 days before his 51st birthday and two and a half years since his last tour win, Phil Mickelson is the co-leader. And uh, we do not like Phil Mickelson very much on this show. Just go Google Billy Walters one of the best sports bettors in the history of the profession, and see if you have the same opinion about old lefty after reading that. If you're looking for a PGA winner going forward, keep in mind that the last 33 major champions, that's 33, that's how many years is that? That's like, what, eight years and one extra? Have been within six shots after 36 holes, and 29 players meet that criteria right now. A couple guys we look at, Sun J.M., 25-1, to Paul Casey, 21 a lot of value on those two guys right now. If you're looking to handicap these, always look at the statistic of average strokes gained. It's the best analytic number for any PGA tournament. But, of course, these majors, unlike the Masters, the other majors are played on different courses every year, so it makes handicapping a little more difficult. We got one Major League Baseball play today. We're going to go to uh, Cleveland, Minnesota and Cleveland. Kenta Maeda, 2-2, two 5.26 ERA from the Twins. Shane Bieber, last year's Cy Young winner, 4-3, 3.17 for Cleveland. We all know Bieber won that award last year, so how do you go against, against him? Do you remember who finished second in the AL Cy Young voting last year? I bet you don't. It was Kenta Maeda, Bieber's opponent today. Both of these pitchers not living up to last year's standards, and the Twins have been the biggest disappointment in all of Major League Baseball, like we said earlier. Cleveland a minus 185 today. Give us one of the biggest dogs on the board. Give us the Twins and Kenta Maeda, a good pitcher. Is he better than Bieber? No, but he's pretty darn good himself. We'll take the Twins. Big upset today. Big back daddy Stogie. We'll take Minnesota underachievers looking to live back up to expectations in Cleveland today. But in the NBA, last night, the Warriors are done. Steph Curry is gone. The Grizzlies advance, and they'll face the Jazz now. Uh, this was the first straight-up loss for any favorite in these play-in games. The favorites went 5-1 and one straight up, but they went 3-3 three and three against the spread. So think about that for next year during these play-in games. But the real NBA playoffs, the best of sevens, they start today. As much as we don't like to handicap these regular season games, we love the playoffs. Back in the day, we always used to use the zigzag theory. It worked great, and we'd always just uh, take the team that lost the previous game in the series and it all worked out in the 90s and the 2000s, but too many people caught on to it because if morons like us could figure it out, you knew the desert could figure it out. 
So the numbers have been adjusted now to make up for it. Zigzag theory can still be used, but you need to filter, filter it down quite a few times. It's crazy now. So the zigzag theory, probably dead. But our trend that we use in the NBA playoffs is simple. Of all the professional sports leagues, the NBA playoffs is the time to watch the favorites. We don't say that in any other league, no matter what. But in the NBA playoffs, you got to watch the favorites. And if you follow the money in these playoffs, you can make a profit. Since 2005, we're looking at favorites that have been taking the most money out in the desert. If you take favorites that take the more, more money in these games, since 2005, you would have gone 130 and 81 against the spread. That's 61.6% with a return on investment of 19.9%. That's pretty darn good. One game fits this criteria today. That's Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. Minus eight over Boston. We'll take Brooklyn and the Nets. Looking to uh, send a little message out to the world today. Maybe all three of their big three players will play. We'll take Brooklyn. Shout out to the Beastie Boys. No sleep till Brooklyn. That's our big pick on today's card in the NBA. Series prices also out there. Uh, Our favorite pick in the series of these first rounders. The Knicks and the Hawks will play. They'll start. They're the first game today. The Knicks hit an incredible 63.4% against the spread this year. Easily the best in the league. Not only that, but the Knicks faced the Hawks three times in the regular season. The Knicks won all three. And, of course, the big blue nation loves the Knicks. They've got assistant coaches, all kinds of players on the team. So easy to pick the Knicks, right? Wrong again. The Hawks are the better team. They were as good as any team in the East once they changed coaches in the second half of the season. The Hawks are very slight. One minus 115 to win this series out in the desert despite being the lower seed and not having the home court advantage. But that doesn't even matter to Atlanta because I'll promise you when the Hawks play the Knicks in Atlanta, there'll be more New York Knicks fans in the audience than there will be Hawks fans. I can promise you that. But this is the Hawks series. They're the better team. The Knicks, I don't want to say they're a fraud, but they really overachieved this year. Give us the Hawks, minus 115 in that series. And if you're looking to really push some chalk in these NBA playoffs, Take a lot of these first-round big favorites and parlay them in these series. Both LATs, Clippers and Lakers, Milwaukee, Philly. First-round matchups where the favorites are actually a bargain via the analytics. Yeah, so there's our picks for the day. We like Brooklyn as a favorite over Boston today. We like the Hawks over the Knicks in that series. And parlay the big favorites in their series, both LA teams, Milwaukee and Philly. You could take those bad boys to the desert and Jake Cigar Bar and smoke them. But coming up after the break, it's our good friend Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. He'll join us. We'll talk everything from the NBA playoffs to Major League Baseball to his red-hot UFC picks tonight. That's coming up right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective presented by Stable Duel. And speaking of guys who carry a big sledgehammer, here's our next guest, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Vince Stover, and he's the host of the Sports Stove Podcast, and he's our good friend. Vince, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Of course. Hey, you've heard the news. LeBron James was busted for COVID violations. How many games does he miss? <laughs> well, Brad, you said it perfectly earlier in the show. Uh, it all depends on who you are in life. <laughs> Karis LeVert couldn't play in the playing games for Indiana because of violation of these protocols, according to ESPN. Uh, it has been addressed with the team, meaning nothing is going to happen at all to LeBron James. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and at the end of the day, 
the league is going to do absolutely nothing about it. You can have a guy skip out of the bubble and go to Atlanta and go to Magic City and have wings, and he gets suspended by the league. But then LeBron does it. Oh, well, we can't. Uh, that's okay if LeBron does it. Like you say, hey, it's all about who you are in life. These first-round series, uh, we're finally at the NBA playoffs. Now I can finally actually pay attention a little more instead of having my phone light up and seeing who's playing and who's not because it's just it was just a merry-go-round the whole last few weeks especially. Are there any of these first-round matchups that you can see, hey, maybe the underdog or the lower-seeded team can pull this one out? Well, I, you know, the both of the four or five uh, matchups in the East and the West are going to be really entertaining um, and worth paying attention to. I think Dallas has as good a chance to beat the Clippers again this year as they did last year. Um, although the Clippers do have more talent, um, I, you know you just you don't know what to expect out of the Clippers because their their mental game is weird. Paul George falls apart in the playoffs a lot of times. Kawhi is just kind of an odd person. Um, is Ty Lue a great coach? I don't think so. They've got some some odd characters on that team. So Dallas is one to watch. Um, you mentioned Atlanta over New York. I think this series is going to be one of the better series as far as close and competitive games every single game. Atlanta, they really don't have anyone to stop Julius Randle. But what made them good, you mentioned since the coaching change, but actually it's been the return of Bagdanovich uh, mm-hmm. for Atlanta is when they really turned their things around when he came back from injury, started playing well. Um, was a big difference there. I don't think Nate McMillan is the guy to take Atlanta to the to the championship as coach, but they've got a, a heck of a squad as well. So then the three six uh, games are the same way. Miami beat Milwaukee last year, so there's something to watch. Although I think you know Milwaukee is definitely better than they were last year. And then on the other side, Denver and Portland. Denver's down, uh, you know, a big piece in Jamal Murray in the playoff run now with him being injured. But Jokic is going to be the MVP, so he should be able to beat Portland in round one. But Portland, again, incredible, a lot of talent on that team. So those are the ones I'm watching. And then Phoenix over L.A. is still a good possibility. But uh, the Lakers definitely you know, have, have the upper hand. Right now, out in the desert, Phoenix is a, in this series. Phoenix is about a plus 140. Uh, a couple days ago, before they were kind of speculating that the Lakers would play this series, uh, it was about plus 200, so a lot of money is on the Suns in this one. Maybe not because they're the better team, but you're getting a lot of value with a team that was, uh, let's just face it, they were better in the regular season. And another team, you look at Denver right now, you mentioned them, they're an underdog in this series to Portland. So you've put a lot of stock in the fact that Jamal Murray's out, but does that really mean that Portland is the better team? Because I'm looking at Portland right now, they're minus 130, minus 135 to take this series and Denver's a dog with a lot of value, if you ask me. Man, Denver played better after Murray yep. was injured. It's kind of that Ewing effect um, of the Ewing theory. But, uh, you know, Jokic, he's going to be the MVP for a reason. Not only did he play every game this season, he played incredibly well. He lifts his team up. He he helps them get better. He makes teammates around him better as well. And Denver, you know, with Jamal Murray, they're a much, better, they're a much more talented team. But they don't have bad players. Like They've got a good team still, even without Jamal Murray. If you flip them to the sixth seed and Portland to the three seed, you'd probably be talking about Denver as a possibility to upset Portland. <laughs> so when you, yeah. when you look at it with them, the higher seed, you, you tend to think more of the underdog or the, the lower seed with all the talent with Lillard, McCollum, and Carmelo, and all these guys on Portland. But you know Denver, I don't think Denver has enough talent to, to run 
you know, through the Western Conference, but they definitely have enough talent to beat Portland. Miami made the finals last year. Do they have a chance in this first series against Milwaukee? They have a chance. Um, but like I said, Milwaukee's just, they got better. And when you get better and you already have one of the best players in the league, you know, that, that should put them over the top over Miami this year. Miami hasn't been as good this year, although uh, Robinson and Hero really had bad seasons towards the end of the season, started finding their, their roles again and playing better. So Miami's going to be a tough out, but uh, I think Milwaukee still comes out. I think Milwaukee's probably the team most likely, other than Brooklyn, to come out of the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, in Brooklyn, they're just their offense is nuts. Uh, they don't play any defense. So if Drew Holiday and, and Giannis can play some defense, they got a chance to come out of the East. You're not with me. What the Sixers finally making out of the East this year? Uh, I am. I'm down on the Sixers. I have been. Uh, I don't think Simmons and Embiid are guys that can take a team to the to the championship. Doc Rivers helps them as the head coach. But um, overall, I just don't trust. I don't trust Ben Simmons for anything. I watched him play in college, and I mean, if you can't even take, if you're the one of the best players supposedly in in the nation, and you can't take your team to the 64 team tournament, you know that's a problem. And I just don't think he's done anything to prove that he can take a team to the finals. Same with Embiid. They're talented. I'm not saying they're not talented, but to me, together um, on the team they're currently on, I don't see them being a championship team. Of all these first-round matchups, of all the underdogs, uh, the Knicks are not an underdog. The Hawks are not an underdog. Uh, I think Denver has the best chance. Is are you? Is that your pick, maybe, as the only underdog in these first series to advance, or do you have another one? You know what would be crazy, um, and, and I would only sprinkle a little bit on this, Washington over Philadelphia. Yeah. Um they they are one of those teams where you've got one player in Russell Westbrook that will just, you know, he can go off and uh, in a weird way. Uh, Bradley Beal, if he's at all healthy, has the potential to add another 30 points to whatever Russell Westbrook p- puts up. Um, and I just don't trust Philadelphia. So for that reason, I'm watching Washington closely and would sprinkle a little there. But Denver, yeah, I like Denver a lot, especially in the first round. You know how I feel about Westbrook. That's not going to... That's not going to equate the playoffs. We've got Sixers and Clippers in the finals, and you have? At this moment, I probably have to go Brooklyn and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but it would not surprise me if it, neither of those teams make it either. This would be, for me, this is one of the harder years to pick because the most yeah. talented teams are Brooklyn and the Lakers. But at the same time, you know, the Lakers are one injury away, one ankle sprain away one whatever Anthony Davis is dealing with away from being nothing, getting taken out in the first round. Uh, Brooklyn is, you know, a Kyrie Irving going missing, <laughs> James Harden eating too much food, and a Kevin Durant hurting his Achilles again from, again, being nothing and getting out in the second round. So this is a hard one this year. Um, if I was going to go off of non-chalk, I would probably say Milwaukee and Phoenix. But... Um, uh, at this point, I think I still have to go Brooklyn and the Lakers. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. We're with Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Vince, I know you're a big Packers fan. I see Green Bay, a three-point underdog in week one in New Orleans. No more Drew Brees for the Saints. Looks like Jameis Winston. The Rodgers trade buzz, like you predicted, it's died down. Should I just go ahead and put everything I have on the Packers now, getting three points in that one? 
I would say yes. Uh, you know, New Orleans has more potential to do goofy stuff early in the season, maybe play Taysom Hill a little bit more at quarterback than, than they probably should. Um, man, they've done some weird things. They've got a weird relationship with Taysom Hill down there as far as really friendly relationship with him. He signed an incredibly friendly team deal. Um, so I think New Orleans, they're going to have to find themselves. And early in the season, you know, I think they might struggle to do that. They might come around finally and just and finally, you know, get sold on, on a way to play. But I think early in the season is the way you're going to get New Orleans. And, yeah, I think Rodgers is the opening day quarterback for Green Bay. So that plus three, that's a, that's a steal. Yeah, you told us don't believe the hype on this Aaron Rodgers stuff a few weeks ago while we were saying, oh, Adam Schefter said that we were, uh, you're crazy. Well, maybe maybe Vince Stover <laughs> is right and Schefter's wrong. Schefter doesn't get his material in right spots anymore. But it doesn't matter because if they played uh, Jacksonville right now, they'd be two touchdown underdogs, right? But they're all their new players on Jacksonville? <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville. Hey, listen, Jacksonville's going to win seven to nine games this season. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, they play in a relatively weak division. Uh, I include the Texans and the Titans as weak spots in that division, even though a lot of people would be different on me with the Titans. Um, so Jacksonville's going to win some games this season. They're going to impress in year one, I think, at least. Uh, but I'm not ready to jump on the uh, the Tim Tebow, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer Super Bowl winning uh, a train just yet. In case you're wondering, Tebow will be wearing number 85. So if you want to purchase your jerseys, uh, make sure that you get the 85, not the 15. Although they've messed get with it. Get it while he's still on the roster, too. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a collector's item. Put it on eBay. So that, uh, as soon as he go. makes the roster, you've got a collector's item right there. All right, let's go to baseball. You're a Brewers fan. Had to be tough for you last night to watch them lose to the Reds. Are we still okay with the Brewers uh, being a better team than the Reds, or is the Reds was last night just a fraud because, like we said, They've got two hitters and a bunch of bums right now in that lineup. Well, Winker went off last night, um, and that's what I get for talking bad about him, I guess, on the show. But uh, at this point, no, I'm still comfortable with Milwaukee being better. Um, but they're going to have to make some interest. I mean, they already made a change. Louis Reyes, who they went all in on, traded Arcia away from the team. Well, he's been horrible defensively, so they bring in Willie Adams from Tampa. They trade out two of their bullpen pitchers to bring in Adams. Um, which those bullpen pitchers were not not working out for Milwaukee anyhow. Um, I listened to you earlier on the show. You know, I was I, I appreciate the hope that you gave me today with Anderson and against the Reds. I was thinking, boy, they got no shot today <laughs> with Anderson pitching. Sonny Gray's a better pitcher for sure. But you know, when you look at the Central Division uh, again, I've said it before, but it's it's St. St. Louis and then everybody else. And, you know, if Milwaukee, Chicago, or Cincinnati are going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to make changes. They can't just stay with what they're doing. Um, they're going to have to actually make changes and get better here in the season to compete for this season. 85, 86 games will win this. 85, 86, 87 wins. That'll win the, I think oh, that'll yeah. win this division because there's nobody. The Cubs are actually playing well right now. There's nobody, though, that's going to win 90 games and run away with this this division by four, five, six games. It's going to come down to all four of these teams at the end. I don't think the Reds are going to be one of the four at the end, but, I mean, the Reds still have to be in the uh, discussion right now. I look at this game today. We're talking about today's game. Uh, the Reds right now about a minus 135 favorite. It's a little too expensive for me to take Sonny Gray. Your thoughts being a Brewers fan and seeing that line 135? 
like I said, I, until I heard you talk about the game, I was all in on the Reds. I mean, Gray, you know, he had a rough start to the season, but he's gotten better. Um, his win-loss record won't prove that, but everything else does. Um, he's just way – Anderson and Hauser, the Brewers' four and five pitchers, are just not good. And uh, if you're facing off against Woodruff, Burns, or Peralta, then I'm going Milwaukee. But otherwise, I've got to go against Milwaukee when they've got Hauser or Anderson on the mound. Um, so, like I said, you gave me some hope, but <laughs> but I, I'm leaning towards the Reds. You look at the Brewers, their they're batting leaders right now are all Abby Garcia and, and uh, Travis Shaw. That's not good, uh, especially when you got guys like Yelich on the team. And then, you know, the Reds, the Winker, he's not going to hit three home runs again today, I wouldn't think. But, uh, you know, had you not given me hope, I would have been all in on the Reds. But I know you're right most of the time. So now I got hope for today. That's the smartest thing you've ever said, Vince Dover. Finally, we agree. <laughs> Finally, we agree on something. Tell me about the, earlier this week, though. The Reds played the Giants four games, Great American Ballpark. The Reds were favored in three of those four games out in the desert, yet somehow they lost all four. Is that more the Reds stinking or the Giants being awesome? Man, the Giants have been incredible this year. Um, I'm a little surprised by them. Uh, well, very surprised by them, actually. And so, you know, it's probably a little bit of both. But at this point, the Giants have been so impressive. I think you have to start believing in them, even though the Dodgers and the Padres still seem to be the top teams in that division. Uh, at the end of the day, San Francisco's playing phenomenal. And at home especially. They're not playing great on the road. But at home, they're 14-5. and five. And uh, so that's something you got to watch for, for sure, when you're playing San Francisco. Calling it right now, Stover. Bucket of pride. Giants don't even make the playoffs this year. They're, that that bullpen is uh, Jake McGee and Rogers. Those guys they're not. They haven't proven it over time. They can only use these smoke and mirrors so long. They can only take advantage of a team like the Reds for so long and pile up 19 runs a game on the Reds. Yeah, I I think it's the Giants uh, going to be exposed as a fraud, especially when they have to play these division games against like they are this weekend against the Dodgers, the Padres. They're going to get exposed eventually for who they really are. But tonight is UFC night. And Vince Stover comes on, and if you've been listening to his picks over the last few weeks, uh, he's given a lot of winners, and we give him about 60 seconds every time he's on on a Saturday to give us his picks. So your time is now, Vince Stover. Go ahead. Well, there's some good fights tonight, but overall it's going to be pretty simple as far as picking fights go. You're going to just go chalk tonight on most fights. Uh, if you want to lock Justin Taffo over Jared Bandera. Taffo's a minus-190 favorite, but that one's a lock. Bandera will lose that one. The only underdog that I'm looking at tonight is Edmund Shabazian. Uh, he is plus-130 against Jack Hermanson. Um, Hermanson has the, the bigger name to some degree, but Shabazian, I think, is the better fighter in this one. So as far as making picks go, just go with the favorites all night tonight with the one exception of Edmund Shabazian against Jack Hermanson. That's my UFC picks for tonight. Vince Stover telling you, take the chalk tonight in the UFC, UFC except for one. He's got a great UFC-based uh, podcast. Vince, tell us where we can find your podcast and where we can find you on social media. You can find the Sports Stove podcast uh, pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports Stove. We're working on some uh, some a big lineup for the summer, working on some big interviews and stuff like that. I actually, today I'm down in Tampa trying to track down Tom Brady. Uh, and so we'll see if we can find them. If not, uh, we'll continue to work hard to, to get some great guests scheduled for the summer. 
He's a big-time name-dropper, ladies and gentlemen. He's Vince Stover, and he is the best in the business. Uh, he had Who did he have on the last podcast? You know, Smiling Sammy and some supermodel. Who was that? Well, Smiling Sam Alvey, his wife is uh, McKay. She, she actually wasn't able to make it on the podcast. Oh, they got, what a shame. They got six kids, and, and uh, she couldn't get away. But great interview with, with Sam Alvey. Wait, sure. Smiling Sammy's got six kids with the supermodel? She's not a supermodel yeah. anymore if she's got six kids. I'm here to tell you that right now. <laughs> well, so, some of them are adopted. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I, uh, I apologize yeah. for that. Yeah. I should have listened to your podcast with Smiling <laughs> Sammy, I guess. He's Vince Stover. Oh, he's our good friend, and he's uh, he's a great sport. We love him to death. Vince, thanks for joining us again, and may the winners be yours tonight. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Coming up, we'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio right here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Coming up today here on ESPN Radio, 1 o'clock, the PGA Championship. Phil Mickelson, one of your co-leaders. We look at it, ABP, baby. Anybody but Phil. That's how we look at it. At 4 o'clock, we will leave the PGA and then go to Reds Baseball, Brewers and Reds at 4 o'clock here on ESPN Radio today. We detailed that earlier. Brett Anderson versus Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray about a minus 135 right now. Eh, We need a little better price we're going to go with with Sonny Gray. We'll pass on this one for the moment. But as always, we thank you so much for listening to The Bottom Line. Make sure to tune in to us tomorrow, same time, same station, 9 o'clock, The Bottom Line. That'll be preceded preceded by a uh, early tea time for the PGA Championship Tour Sunday. Uh, backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Then us, and then the, math, uh, the Angelo Carriero show, excuse me, at 10 o'clock right after us. That's all this weekend here on ESPN Radio. Email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. And as always, until the next time, may the winners be yours.